So I can drink beer and watch TV? Because, you know, Kiss Save Santa's on. But Mrs. Claus, who would kidnap Santa? Well, Ace, that's what I want you boys to find out. Someone stole Santa? That does not rock! Easy, Gene. Guys, let's go save Christmas to the Kiss Copter! Yay! Peter, I think we should send Stewie to Corridors. I know it's a little pricey, but it's the best preschool in the area. Really? Is that the one where they make him dress in the little shorts and hats like the guy in ACDC? Yeah, why does he wear that outfit? Because he rocks. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Right, Sonny, I'm well rested. I'm fresh off the cruise to the edge, sailing, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about live versus studio bands. What's happening with you, dude? Dude, when I saw the bands that were on the cruise to the edge list, I'm like, no, thank you. That list of bands would have sent me off the edge. I think you sent me something going, probably the only band he likes on here is Saga. I don't like those guys either. <laughs> Well, the running joke between Kevin Williams and myself was that Sonny literally would have committed suicide on the, <laughs> on yep, the, on the first hour of this cruise. Because let me tell you, I saw way more bands than I expected to see on this cruise. And yeah, there is no way in hell that you would have survived not even the first hour of that cruise. Unbelievable. I had a great time. As always, it really helped that Kevin Williams was there because he was really the only person that we knew. So it was cool to hang out with him for five days. It never hurts our feelings to be on a cruise. So again, thanks for the vacation. <laughs> it was a great vacation. We appreciate it. But man, have I got stories to tell. And we've got a day-by-day kind of diary thing that Kevin Williams and I recorded while we were on the boat and the listeners will kind of get to hear what Cruise to the Edge is all about. But yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting cruise for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, like I said, I saw those bands. I heard some of the stuff. I'm like, mm, glad I didn't go. I always find it interesting. And I, I like to think that 
I can find music I like just about in any genre. And this was no exception. I found some things that I liked. I'm not going to lie. Is it things that I would listen to on the regular? Almost not. No, there's nothing in this cruise that I think I would listen to on a regular basis. But there was stuff I liked. And I was interested in seeing bands like Saga that I never got a chance to see. And, you know, they were really good. They were kind of... I could see them fulfilling like a honeymoon suite type uh, category on Monsters of Rock, but they would be like one of the only bands that could sort of do Monsters of Rock and Cruise to the Edge. But yeah, just an interesting mix of people, interesting mix of bands. And you think uh, on Monsters of Rock, they got a wide umbrella with uh, a band like, uh, let's say, uh, Firewind and a band like Faster Pussycat. Well, there's an even wider umbrella on Cruise to the Edge because they got like progressive jazz stuff on Cruise to the Edge. And then you got like almost this heavy metal, progressive, really heavy band. So all kinds of weird stuff under the umbrella of progressive rock. Yeah, the problem with those guys are, okay, you got an hour to play. What do you want us to do? Just play two songs? Literally. And that also <laughs> and that also is the running joke uh, on this uh, cruise. It's like, sweet, each band does two sets. We do one album, which is, consists of two songs, and the next night we do one album that consists of one song. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So it's all good. But hey. Tonight's episode, live versus record. And I'll be honest, there's some of these bands I saw on Cruise to the Edge that were way better live than what I heard on the record when I was learning about these bands because I had to seek out, you know, the music before the cruise just to kind of get a feel for what the band was like and whether I had any interest in seeing them or absolutely no interest in seeing them. And a lot of the bands on the cruise were much better live than they were on the studio, in my opinion. So, hey, I'm ready for tonight. But before we do that, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a band called Devil's Train. We played Devil's Train on the podcast a few times in the past. I like this band. They had two albums out. I discovered them a few years back. They've got a new album coming out called Ashes and Bones. But what I didn't know about the album is they're kind of considered a German supergroup, which I had no clue. I don't know any of the guys in this band. They gave their names. I'm not going to attempt to say their names. And basically, they play in a whole bunch of different bands. And some of those bands I have heard of. But it's nothing major in what I would consider a supergroup, but maybe in Germany it's a supergroup. They call them the European answer to BLS, and I can kind of see that that sound is similar to something BLS would do. Here's a song called The Devil and the Blues. Check it out.
So I love BLS, and I guess I hear it in the groove, mm-hmm. but dude, this vocalist, Zach, I love you, but this singer can fucking sing, right? So great vocal, great production. On this song, I like the verses probably more than the chorus. The chorus was just okay to me, but overall, it was good. Have you heard the cameo cover they did? They just released the single Word Up. Uh, I have not heard it. Is it on the latest record? It is going to be because they just released it as a single. And, dude, they meddled up Word Up by Cameo, and it works. So I'm looking forward to the album. And I'm telling you, BLS couldn't do Word Up. like So there's just something about Devil's Train that's different. Well, I like the first two albums quite a bit. I got the third album. I just haven't had a chance to go through it yet other than the single. And I'm looking forward to spending a little bit of time with it. The album comes out on June 24th on Roar Records, Rock of Angels Records, which I haven't heard anything about that. But check out the band. I mean, check out those first two albums. I really enjoyed it. We played a few songs on this uh, podcast. I think they have a song called Hollywood, which we played just for you on this podcast, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, it's good stuff. I can't wait for the album to come out. Awesome. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Okay, so getting to our episode, we're going to talk about bands that we maybe didn't love on studio records and then live. They were like, wait a second, that's something different. I didn't hear that live. And I think some of these, we actually like the studio albums, but then live, they even blew us away past that. So I think we're going to get a little bit of both. And usually when we do episodes like this, we'll go out to our loud minority group, our growing up rock group, and ask the listeners for their opinions, right? So all I put out was, hey, tell me about a group that you got into after you saw them live, after maybe on the record you didn't love them so much. So we got a bunch of answers. And I want to go through those answers while also sharing our top five. So it's all in alphabetical order here of band. So you'll kind of get that. But uh, I want to ask you about each one of these bands quickly. So David Drew reached out and mentioned Alter Bridge. I've never seen Alter Bridge. They've not wowed me on record either. How about you? Ditto. I've never seen them live. And I've breezed through a couple of things. Although I know that uh, there's a few newer artists that I've interviewed that cite Alter Bridge as being a huge influence in including the uh, record Blackbird, I think. Uh, which is one of their bigger records, if I'm not mistaken. I know Ches Kane cited that record as well as Cassandra from Paralandra. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see Alter Bridge live. I just have uh, never had the chance, really. Next one, Scott Gull. This is a total righty band. Amon Amarth. Dude, aren't those a row, 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 row guys? I've never seen them. I uh, have no clue about that band at all. Yeah. So, Scott, you must be right. Uh, Neil Spears reached out and shared Berlin. So the No More Words Berlin. I've not seen them live. I've just seen them on like one of those access TV shows live. They seem a little boring to me, but I've never seen them live. Well, and Neil, I think, is a frequent goer of 80s in the sand. So my guess is that's where Neil saw them because I know they do some of those 80s tours. I've just never seen them. Courtney Cronin-Dold got involved and Judy Rosenfeld got involved and they both mentioned Big Country. Uh, CCD said, I once saw the members of Big Country do a show with Mike Peters of The Alarm singing as their singer and every single song was amazing. I've never seen Big Country live. Have you seen them live? Uh, no, they were a little bit before my time, I think. Uh, they were the 80s and uh, they would have been around when I was pure metal, so I would have never even given them a chance. Although I do like some big country songs nowadays. Courtney, what I love about Courtney is she really loves that 80s, like big country, crowded house. Uh, she's she's a huge fan of that stuff, really melodic stuff. I love it. Jason Thomas Broderick shared Black Oak, Arkansas. I thought they were like a 60s, 70s band. I've never seen them. Well, they're a 70s band, but I mean, you know, Black Oak, Arkansas with Jim Dandy, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been credited as uh, that's where David Lee Roth got all his moves. That's where Jesse James Dupree got all his moves. They all uh, say that Jim Dandy was the early version of of those guys. Huh, okay. So we get to one that I've actually seen. So Rick Friel's shared Buck Cherry. And I can understand this one because I was into Buck Cherry's music already and then saw them live and it took it over the top for me. Most of the people that don't like Buck Cherry have never given them a shot live. And there is something about the visual for sure. 
Yeah, Buck Cherry won over my wife on the last Monsters of Rock cruise. The funny thing is, is that I've always sort of liked Buck Cherry on record, and I've always liked them live. It's It goes hand in hand. I thought they were good live. I thought they were good on record. My wife saw them live several years back, and she didn't get it. She didn't really care that much for them, so it just kind of bypassed her. But we saw them on this Monsters of Rock cruise this year. And she was sold. She finally got it. She said, yes, I finally get them. They're awesome live. So, you know, it's all good. All right. Talking about a band I don't care much for. Sorry. Tim Hall says Bush. I have not seen the band Bush live. I've never really wanted to. You want to ask me what I think? (laughs) Well, go ahead. You just go. (laughs) I've seen Bush live a couple different times. Yeah, they don't do much for me live. I mean, Gavin is tied to a mic stand because he's a guitar player as well as the singer. So, yes, they have another guitar player. But when you're singing and you're playing guitar, you have the potential of being a little boring. I never really thought they were amazing live. I was They were just kind of there for me personally. Yeah, and I'm there with you. Like a guitar player who will play rhythm tracks, and we know some guitar players that play lead tracks and they're singing Dude, it takes a special somebody to be able to have the stage presence you need to sell the live show by doing that, right? You would think that the guys who are or gals who are just front people have more of an advantage, but then I'll see folks that don't have an instrument in their hand and I'm like, what are you doing? Shouldn't you like do something? If you're not going to do nothing, then play guitar. Yeah, I, I won't say that there's no entertaining guitar player slash singers because there are. It just like you said, it's a very special breed that can entertain as well as sort of be tied down to a mic and have to play lead guitar as well. Yeah. Mark Adams shared that Cage the Elephant is awesome live, but not on studio recordings. I don't even know if I could name a Cage the Elephant song. How about you? There was one Cage the Elephant song that I had downloaded, and I want to say it was like their very first single. I don't remember the name of the song now, but I can tell you that I never saw them live, and I can tell you that the rest of their music is not really for me. So, pass. Out the corner of my eye, I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I never seen a man who looks so all alone. Could you use a little company? If you pay the right price, your evening will be nice and you can go and send me on my way. I said, You're such a sweet young thing, why you do this to yourself? She looked at me and this is what she said Oh, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't go. Jason Seth shared Chevelle, and I've had the opportunity to see Chevelle, but I think I missed them. I do like some of their music, though. I saw Chevelle. I always say I always want to say a couple years ago, but I always forget that COVID screwed everything up. So it's been about three years now at this point. I saw Chevelle on some. Uh, it was the Slipknot tour thing, the Knot Fest thing, and there were like fifty bands playing. Chevelle was one of them. I don't know. They don't do much for me. I think it's really their music. It's not that I hate all their music. It's just that I can only take so much of that, like, doom sludgy rock. And that's a lot of what Chevelle is. So, yeah, I I can't say that they honestly did anything for me. Robert DePaspa shared Deep Purple. I have not seen Deep Purple live. I do enjoy some of their music. 
But for everything that I've seen on film, whether it be a video or access TV or whatever, they don't blow me away on stage. The videos didn't either. So have you ever seen Purple Live? So I did have the opportunity to see Purple Live a few years ago. And so I have to be fair in assessing this. I think Purple with Richie Blackmore back in the day were probably pretty good. I didn't see that purple. <laughs> I saw the purple with 150-year-old Ian Gillian standing up there, and he he almost, to me, had the shakes in his arm, like uh, almost uh, kind of pre-Parkinson's. I'm just being honest. That's what I saw. They sounded fine. Steve Morse is an amazing guitar player, but they did nothing for me live because they're literally 150 years old at this point. They uh, did that double bill with Judas Priest. So it was them uh, headlining and Judas Priest uh, playing first. And it just, they were, to me, they were super boring, but I love their music. And I would have loved to have seen them back in the day with Richie Blackmore. reached out every mother's nightmare is better live than on studio album 
that's not saying much, honey. I know that's I'm joking, okay? But uh, have you seen every Mother's Nightmare live? I don't know. I haven't. I, I've seen them a few times. I saw them back in the day when they first came out on that first record. They're pretty good live. I mean, they were aggressive rock band live. I mean, I can see Huddy uh, throwing a little Memphis love their way and uh, saying that they're a good, gritty rock and roll band live. Sure. Then we get to Ron Jones. Ron Jones says extreme. And this one's an interesting one, right? Because if you're a rock fan, their music at times, because they're all over the place, doesn't always jump off CD. But then you see Nuno live and you're like, oh, my God, he's doing all that stuff. So I can see why people would think this. I've always thought Extreme is great live. Did the live experience enhance it for you? The live experience did enhance it for me. I think it's, they're one of those bands that it goes hand in hand with because I do like a lot of their studio albums. I like I like most of their studio albums. So the live thing is just more of an enhancement for it for me. I don't know that I like them better live than I do in the studio. I'm not sure I'm ready to say that, but I like them equally. How's that? That's fair. So Steve Gill brought up one, and I've got a few that are going to fall into this category. Five Finger Death Punch. If I don't ever hear a Five Finger Death Punch song again, I'm just fine. But I will tell you, they were awesome live. They were awesome live, and I still have no interest in any of their music, but I would go see them live. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. The energy in that room? Dude, if he would have just said kill, people would have killed. Wow. Well, I can't speak to them because I've never seen them live, but I was ready for you just to uh, five-finger punch somebody in the throat for even suggesting it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That band doesn't do anything for me, but based on your comment, I would see it live just based on what you just said. Brian Thomas shared Foreigner, and I, I would say yes, right? Because a lot of the Foreigner music that they're known for isn't the rock and stuff, so then when you go see them live, you're surprised how rock they are. But I will also say Kelly Hansen's given this band absolute new life. I get it. Larry Goins there and Jeff Pilson's there. Sorry, guys. The voice is carrying the energy. And if it wasn't for Kelly, you probably don't have a foreigner right now. Yeah, I think the vocal point of any foreigner song is important. So I, I agree with that statement. But I also don't undersell Pilson's presence on that stage he has a great stage presence he's the leader of that band and has been for several years at this point so look i never miss that band pretty much each year when they come through town a because it's usually a fairly cheap ticket b because i know that they're going to bring it and that uh kelly hansen's going to do an amazing job and c i just love those songs so much and it's just a night of hits right absolutely so Brandon Fields got involved and shared Godsmack. And he said, uh, not dogging their albums at all. It's just not my thing. But I've seen them twice, and they easily put on some of the best shows I've ever seen. I have seen Godsmack. It was good, but I was already into the music. I've seen Godsmack once. I'm not a huge fan of Godsmack. I can deal with them. I'm just not a huge fan that doesn't connect with me for some reason. I worked a Godsmack show so that I could see Godsmack. But what I was really interested in was the opening act, Hailstorm. And for me, Hailstorms wiped the stage with Godsmack on that particular night that I saw it. Jason Thomas Broderick <laughs> shared Grand Funk Railroad. 
Bruce, I love you. I saw Grand Funk. They opened for Foreigner probably about six, seven years ago. And I got one word that can basically uh, size up the whole show. Meh. That's what I saw at a Grand Funk Railroad. I, I don't know much of their music, and they didn't blow me away live. I'm sorry. I think it's really hard to see any band like Grand Funk or Fog Hat or any of those bands from that era today and expect to be blown away. It's just almost impossible to me because I'm guessing that those bands are pretty slow to none moving. And if there's no energy on stage, then it all falls back on the music. So you need to know and love the music 100%. And for bands like Fog Hat and Nazareth and Grand Funk Railroad, Blue Oyster Cult, there's a bunch of them from that era that I know people love. I just don't know the music that well. And people have sent me listen to these five songs, listen to this five songs. I get it. I do. And I appreciate it. And I respect it because that's the bang zone of classic rock in the seventies. But a lot of it just doesn't connect with me for whatever reason. Could be the recording. It could be that they're just not as great as you think they are. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Uh, but that's nothing against any of those bands. So Neil Spears also shared Hooters, which uh, I'm talking about the band, not what you what you're thinking right now. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking that has to go back to with the '80s band stuff that he loves. I've never seen the Hooters. How about you? Oddly enough, I have seen the Hooters. <laughs> well, I've seen Hooters. I haven't seen the Hooters. <laughs> uh, I have seen the Hooters. So here's an odd thing: I was on the road. And I had a night off uh, somewhere in, I don't know where we were, (laughs) to be honest. But uh, we got invited to a show, and it was Hootie and the Blowfish and the Hooters. And they were playing like a college stadium. And so so we got invited to go to the show. We went to the show. So I saw the Hooters and Hootie and the Blowfish. It's the only time that I've seen the Hooters and Hootie and the Blowfish. I like a lot of uh, the Hooters uh, songs that they had on that successful album. Kyle Null shared two that I've never seen, Hozier and Jane's Addiction. I don't even know who Hozier or Hosier is. And then Jane's Addiction, I just never wanted to see live. Okay. I've seen them both. <laughs> Did they tour together? <laughs> no. Was it the Hoot Hootie show there too? No, that's two completely different artists. Man, is that two different artists for sure. Hosier is a singer-songwriter. Uh, he had that that hit song, something, The Church, Take Me to the Church. It's it's sort of, God, I'm not even sure how I would classify it. Mellow at times, kind of pop. It's not R&B, but it's, shoot, I don't know that I can classify it. Adult contemporary, you'll just have to go out there. The guy's an amazing singer. He's a really, really good singer, but it's not rock. It's not pop it's not r&b i don't know he's just a he's a singer songwriter musician he had a whole band behind him the people that went and saw him loved him because that show was sold out and it was packed three thousand people and this was probably just pre-covid right before covid i think he's uh intriguing live you have to like his music and then jane's addiction is great live I saw Jane's Addiction back on their second album, 
tour. They sold out two nights here in Atlanta. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're good. If you like their music or you're into them, then they're very good live, very energetic, very crazy. Yeah, I enjoyed them. And then we're going to share one more and then get to some of our picks. Greg Mangus joined in with Rick Friel and said Jay Giles Band. Greg, we're a little young. Well, at least I'm a little young for the Jay Giles Band. I'm sure Steven's seen him 10 times. <laughs> I like Jay Giles Band a lot, but actually I've never seen them live. So Wow. I cannot, okay, then. cannot speak to that one. All right. We'll go with uh, your five that you wanted to talk about. All right. So I approached my five, not necessarily in the respect that I don't like the band in the studio, but love them live. The way that I came at it was more from a, I like their studio albums, but it went hand in hand when I saw them live. It was the full package. And I love the band both in the studio and then when I saw them live, it put it over the top. My number five band was probably one of the best concerts, if not the best concert I've ever seen in my life. And that is Ronnie James Dio, solo artist. I saw him on the Last in Line tour for the first time. It blew me away. Love it. And I love his studio albums. At least the first three for me are really strong. And then some of the stuff after that is hit or miss for me. I have seen Dio a couple of times. I would agree with this one because it was better than the record. Because the record, it doesn't always, the Dio music doesn't always catch me. That's just how it is. And when you kind of see the presentation with Dio, like trying to get into it a little bit, it's a little bit musical theater. It's probably not as Alice Cooper theater-like as you would like it. But I was definitely more into the music after seeing Dio. And I told you the story about the first time I saw him. He scared yep. the hell out of me. I thought it was the devil and I left. <laughs> but I have, I did see him after that and it was better. Yeah. Uh, my number four is a band that just has had ridiculous amounts of success on the East Coast. But the rest of the United States is hit or miss for this band. And that is Kicks. This band live does not disappoint. For me personally, I've never seen Kicks have a bad show. They're always consistently great. And most of that is Steve Whiteman, the front man. He's just so damn good at what he does. But the rest of the band is just firing on all cylinders. And I really enjoy Kicks, no matter how many times I see them. Their albums are good. So I'm a Kicks fan from both sides of the fence, both live and album. But to me, what they do live just enhances their material on record. That's what I feel about Kicks. I know you're hit or miss with Kicks. What are your thoughts? Because I know you've seen them. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Kicks fan. I'm, uh, you know, just I like probably 20 or so songs. Really, I listen to them a lot. Those 20, I do enjoy them equally though. I've seen them live several times. Steve's a great front man. Uh, but like the last Monsters of Rock cruise we went on, I was like, man, eh, I've seen them. I don't really need to see them again because they're just okay to me. And you know, we've talked about that they're the East Coast Y and T, and I didn't get into them that early so i don't really have any history with them yeah so the number three band is a more i'll say younger band but honestly they've been out for a while they put out several albums they just recently released an album called abracadabra and that's the band hardcore superstar i knew their material some but i saw them live more so than i knew their material i saw them live for the first time a few years back here in atlanta and they blew me away I thought they were amazing live. So I went out and started 
picking up all their records and their records are hit and miss with me in certain places. And they have so many records out at this point that especially in the early days, they go through some different phases. This latest record actually is pretty good. So I'm still in the process of spending more time with it, but live, this band is really energetic. They're really good live hardcore superstar. They won't disappoint. What are your thoughts on Hardcore Superstar? Because I know you've seen them live, right? No, that's where my regret is. I had a chance and I didn't see it. And then I heard some of the music and I'm like, oh, God, I'm hearing a lot of good things about these guys. I should see them live. And they were supposed to be on the last Monsters Rock Cruise and they didn't come. So I'm like, oh, I missed them. So they're on my list. Next time they're in town or I get to have a chance to see them, no way I miss them. Yeah, well, we'll see. They may be on the next Monsters of Rock cruise. I think they owe us a gig or two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right, next up is Cheap Trick. So Cheap Trick, (laughs) they put out albums. They couldn't get any respect. They couldn't buy a hit single. They put out a live album, and the people go nuts for it. The live album, Live at Budokan, basically breaks this band for the rest of their careers. They're just a great band live. Their music is hit or miss for me. They've got several records. I went out and picked up all their records because if you're a power pop fan, 
there's a lot of great music within those records. And I was sort of a greatest hits person until I picked up all the records and all the catalog. And then I started diving deeper into some of those records. And there's some great stuff there that uh, is not considered hits. But if you ever have seen the band live, they're just very consistent live. Uh, Robin Zander is still doing a great job as the lead singer. And uh, yeah, I just uh, Cheap Trick is one of those bands that for whatever reason just doesn't seem to break over the top. The fans that love them really love them. And the other other bunch are just kind of meh, take them or leave them. Have you seen Cheap Trick live and what are your thoughts? So first of all, Scott Sadowski and Bill Elam both agree with you. I've seen Cheap Trick twice. I really don't see what all the hubbub is. Sorry, I don't get it. I've listened to some of the studio recordings, don't understand the hubbub. I've yeah. seen them live twice. I was like, okay, they're Cheap Trick. Big whoop. Just not into them. Are you, do you like the hits at all? I like some of the hits. Yeah. I really like the flame. I yeah. thought that was good. And everybody who loves Cheap Trick hates that goddamn song. Not, right? me. So. Not, not me. I love that song. <laughs> right. So I just, I never got into them and yeah. I tried. They were touring with Hart when I saw them and I saw them twice because I wanted to see Hart over and over. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't understand the hubbub. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I get it. Uh, well, I mean, you're not alone. There's a lot of folks out there that fit into that category for whatever reason. They just don't connect with this band. But I, I like it from a power pop standpoint. And even some of their earlier stuff, some of their album cups are much more, I guess I would say, heavier, harder rock. But yeah, cheap trick. They're always out there playing. Check them out if you haven't already. My last one is, I'm sure, a bit controversial because I know a lot of people hate this band, including my co-hosts, including some of our friends. I get it. I understand. They're a tough band to take. But live, this band makes 100% sense for me. I definitely don't like all this band's material on album. They're hit or miss. I really liked their, I guess, first album. I think it was called Promised Land. But they're goofy. I mean, they, they're experimental. They're, they just take artistry to a different level and they do what they want to do. And there's a lot of, a lot of tongue in cheek and a lot of, uh, short of dry humor in their music. But it all comes together live, and this band rocks. I recently saw them again. My wife and I have seen them twice now and loved them both times. Just so good. And I'm talking about the darkness. Now, I know this is a band that you just, you have no desire to see, but I'm telling you, if you ever get a chance to see them live, they're really fun live. So I'm going to let Nick Oxenziak speak for me here. So here's was his here was his comment to the whole shebang. Not just the darkness, he just said it generally. He says, "To be honest, if a band's studio material didn't excite me, I wouldn't waste my time going to see them live. Plenty of other top quality acts to see." Nick, I agree with you, and the darkness falls in that category for me. <laughs> Fair enough, but I did like some of their studio material, so I wanted to see them live, and I'm glad I did because I was entertained. So there you go. <laughs> so to share some more of the listener data, so Bill Elam shared Mariana's Trench. I have no idea who that is. And John Mayer, who I have never seen. Do you know who Mariana's Trench is? 
And have you ever seen John Mayer live? For some reason, I've heard of Mariana Trench, and maybe it's because I saw that same post, but I don't know anything about that band. And John Mayer, I don't think I've seen him live. I want to say I've seen him in like bits and pieces, but not in a full-on concert. I think he did something with uh, Dave Chappelle a few years back where he and Dave Chappelle did a show and he played some and Dave Chappelle would tell jokes. It was kind of a weird and unique show, but it was happening here in Atlanta about, I don't know, four years ago or so. And I did see that, but that that's my only uh, reference. So a good friend of mine, Sidney Scarborough, you met him at my birthday party. He says, Khalil Cox. Sid, do you listen to our podcast? We don't know who the hell Khalil Cox is. <laughs> is, it, is it related to Courtney Cox? I have no idea, dude. Come on, Sid. Brian Lee Hecht and Derek Novak, King's X. <laughs> Brian even says, once I saw them live, it totally changed my opinion. Fantastic band. Brian, I'll tell you this. Once I saw them live, I'll never listen to them again. They were so bad. <laughs> You know, I don't know. (laughs) First of all, I like King's X. I know you don't, uh, and I know Steve Wright doesn't like them either. I like King's X. I like their studio recordings. I don't know that they blow me away live versus studio. I do know that I've seen them great live, and I've seen them not so great live. And one of those times is on the Monsters of Rock cruise, and I think that's the same show you saw, and you were kind of like, nope. (laughs) That, that that was all all she wrote for you, and I think uh, that was not a great show, if I recall. Keith Rochford said Corn, so I've actually seen Corn twice. Uh, they opened for Ozzy, and I saw him, and they opened for Disturbed, and I saw him, and both times I was meh. Never seen them. You've never seen Corn? Nope. Wow. Okay. Uh, Sean Love said L.A. Guns, and you know what? Honestly, I've never seen a bad L.A. Guns show. Growing up on uh, the West Coast, you could see L.A. Guns pretty much anytime you wanted. But I can see what Sean is saying about L.A. Guns because their music, it doesn't always pop off the record as it's going to be this great energetic show. But they really put it together well without really any flash live. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, I, I need some qualifications. Which, the real L.A. Which, guns. Which L.A. The guns, real guns are we talking about? Not fucking Steve Riley guns. <laughs> the real guns. And then which lineup of the real guns are we talking about? The one with the 14 other dudes or the 70 other guys in the band? or Let's just do Phil and Tracy. How about that? <laughs> that works for me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed them. I saw them a few years back in a small club here, the reunited version, and I thought they were really good. Much better than the earlier versions that I'd seen because I've seen some other versions like the Phil Lewis and Steve Riley version, uh, and I was not blown away by that version. Neil Spears also shared Living Color. So I've seen Living Color just one time. They opened for Van Halen in 88. And you know what? I It wouldn't surprise me that Living Color is better live than on tape because our audience, our core audience, most likely wouldn't give Living Color a shot unless you just happen to come across them, right? I'll tell you what, I saw uh, Living Color in a small club on their first album. You know who the opening act was? Who? Check this Check this bill out. The, the, uh, the opening act was Bullet Boys on the first album, and it was Bullet Boys and Living Color. What a show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Great show. Yeah. 
Mitch LaFon got in the act and said Metallica. So I think I think the energy is good live. Don't get me wrong, but the energy jumps off the recordings for me too. I guess they don't for Mitch. So if you're a longtime listener to this show, you probably know that one of the very few bands that I haven't seen live is Metallica. I haven't seen them live yet. Seen them, of all the bands. Of all the bands. <laughs> it's both an embarrassment to me, but at the same time, I kind of like... So there's been a couple of times I missed out on them because the schedule didn't work for me. I was either on the road or out of town or something. So there's been a couple of times they've rolled through town. That was the case. The last couple of times they've been in Atlanta, I'm not paying 200 bucks for a nosebleed seat in a stadium. I won't do that for anybody. It's just no, there's no point in, in me experiencing a, a band live from a nosebleed seat in a stadium. What's the point? So that's why I haven't gone to see them recently. And this is a band that I had the first album when it came out. So I don't know. Go figure. Yeah, you're going to have to catch them. I don't know if you heard about, uh, well, maybe you haven't seen it, but uh, Garth Brooks is playing here in Cincinnati and he's playing at the Reds ballpark. Mm-hmm. $91 tickets, all inclusive, every seat in the house. Wow. And they're pimping it that way. And he's just going to sell out back-to-back nights in a you know 70,000 people stadium. See, that's why Garth is a class act. I wish some other uh, rock and rollers would take uh, note of that. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way you're going to get to see Metallica because Metallica ain't going to be less than 200 bucks, period. No, no, the only other way that I'll be able to see them is if I end up working uh, something yeah. that they that they are uh, doing, but they have to play yeah. an arena. Uh, Kirk Tobler said, Michael Monroe. We were supposed to see Michael Monroe. He didn't come, so I've never seen him. Yeah, I've heard he's really good live, too, and uh, I, he was one of the people I was looking forward to seeing, but yep, no go. Yeah. Grayson Gallego said Midnight. I don't know what Midnight is. Is Midnight a band? Uh, no, it's 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, maybe Grayson was just writing what time it was. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Holly and Brian Hernandez, good friends, good friends, said Millie Vanilli. Now, I know they were joking, but you know what? I've actually seen Millie Vanilli <laughs> once. They opened for Paula Abdul at Great America. They were okay. Well, uh, first of all, you saw them, which is all you did is see them. And two, they're okay because they're playing a CD. So not going to be bad, right? <laughs> You've never seen Millie Vanilli? Too bad. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Brian Thomas, Molly Hatchet. I've not seen Molly Hatchet. Is Molly Hatchet still out there? They are in some form. I don't even know who's... I, I'm sure there's one guy that's probably original in the band, but... No, I've never seen them either, but yes, they are still out there plugging away. Scott Gold said Moody Blues. It can't be worse than the record because the record's brutal to listen to. Never been a Moody Blues fan, so can't speak to it. However, Justin Hayward, who's the main guy, I think, in the Moody Blues, was on this cruise to the edge. He played one show, but I didn't see it. (laughs) Greg Mangus also said Mother's Finest. I'm not sure who Mother's Finest is. Mother's Finest is a a huge band from here in Atlanta, and uh, they had one major album and pretty good success with that album. Uh, In fact, that album's sort of right up your alley. I would think that you would like some of that album. Uh, But go check out Mother's Finest, Another Another Mother Further is the name of the record. 
uh, they had a hit called Baby Love and another piece of the rock. But yeah, they're they're still plugging away. They're still playing shows in and around uh, Atlanta and uh, they're still good. They still do a good job and it's mostly still original people. Now they got this song called Mickey's Monkey and this album came out in 77, by the way. Uh <laughs> They had they had this album, this song called Mickey's Monkey, which is essentially Zeppelin to a T. The song uh, I'm trying to remember uh, what Zeppelin song it is. Uh, some of the listeners will know what I'm talking about. They'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But that's a great album. It's eight songs from start to finish. And Baby Love, I would think you would dig. Piece of the Rock is great. Truth will set you free is great. There's just some good uh, songs. It's kind of funk. R&B mixed with rock. There is no Joe Terizi says Motley Crue. Now, Joe, I'll tell you, I've seen Motley Crue every 
album, basically, except for Shout the Devil. So from Theater of Pain all the way probably to 2010, 2011, when Motley was still going, I saw every tour. Vince got worse every single time. And my favorite Motley tour was 94 with Karabi. I, I have no interest in ever seeing Motley again. You? No, not really. But if you're a fan of the big, crazy, bombastic shows, then I could see where you would think the band was better live than on record. I mean, they do, they do put on a big, bombastic show, right? Uh, so yeah. that that part I could see. But yeah, as far as the Vince singing and uh, wording half the words, and yeah, I have no interest in that. Thanks. Adam Gold said my morning jacket. Adam, I'm going to tell you, I listened to a morning jacket album once on a dare. Ba-ru-tow. Them's fighting words for Huddy. I know. He's <laughs> the one who made me listen to that shit. <laughs> yep. That's why whenever Huddy says he doesn't like anything, I just ignore it because he, like, <laughs> he likes some shitty stuff. Have you ever seen my morning jacket live? Uh, no. <laughs> Ask me if I've ever heard him. No. No, no. <laughs> Ask me if I'm ever going to listen to him. Uh, no. no. <laughs> okay. Next, uh, Matt Ashcraft and BJ Cramp both said Nelson, that they'd seen him a couple of times. I've seen Nelson a couple of times, and I agree with both Matt and BJ, and I think it comes down to when you listen to him on album, they come off as this like pop, soft rock type band. When you see them live, man, they crunch. Saw them twice on that first album tour, and they were amazing. I concur 100%. Their, their band was so killer. Man, they had Bob Rock on drums, and they had this guitar player from Australia that was killer. They had a great band, and they sounded amazing. I 100% agree with that. Okay, this next band, I'm not uh, – I can't even believe I'm going to say it out loud. Night Ranger. So Laurie Ann and both Randy Bergeron both said Night Ranger. And I can understand because I know by the time you get to Seven Wishes, it's very keyboard heavy. Then you go see them live and you're like, wait a second, I don't hear the keyboards that loud. It's just bad production, I think, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I saw that Seven Wishes tour and was very entertained. So, you know, yeah, that could be it. One thing that bothers me about Night Ranger, and, and I love them every time I see them, but what's starting to bother me about Night Ranger is their set list. They're getting too stale with their set list, so I wish they would open it up because they got a lot of great albums with a lot of great material, and they're ignoring a lot of it, and that bugs me. Yeah, especially when they start doing like Ozzy songs. It's like, come on. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Paul LaPlaca said, Overkill. And believe it or not, I've seen Overkill live before, and I can understand you need the energy. 100%. I've saw them live a few times, but I saw them more recently, like within the last four years, and uh, the energy is still there. Even as uh, Bobby Blitz gets uh, in his age a little bit, they were still killer. Steve Gill and Aaron Camaro both said Papa Roach. Camaro even said, my wife and kid made me go once. I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> it was, it almost came off like a, they made me go and then I felt bad and I actually liked them. I've never seen Papa Roach live at all. I saw Papa Roach a few years back open for asking Alexander. Uh, they were good. They were decent. It's just not my bag. I mean, it's not really my thing, but as far as live, they bought the energy. They weren't boring live crowd loved them. So sure. I can see that. 
And then Steve Guild shared Pop Evil. You know what? I actually enjoy some Pop Evil stuff. I've just never seen them live. Uh, I saw Pop Evil open up for, uh, was it Poison? Uh, weird enough. I, th- I think Really? It, I think it was like Cheap Trick, Pop. it was Pop Evil, Cheap Trick, and Poison or something. Yeah, they weren't bad. They were pretty good, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Weird Bill, I know. Yeah. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so we'll take a quick break out from this episode to invite people to come over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. A lot of the listeners that have chimed in on this episode, that's where we poll folks to get information if we're doing an episode that requires, you know, listener feedback and listener information. We hit them up in the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. It's a private group, so, you know, you can pretty much speak freely in there we just try to keep it positive because we don't like a whole lot of negative energy in there so uh once in a while somebody chimes in with a whole bunch of negative crap and i just kick them out on their ass because i don't feel like hearing it but uh, <laughs> but other than that it's all good we're positive but i kick them in the ass and get them the hell out of here <laughs> i'm positive that i'm gonna keep it uh positive so yeah come in there and spew a bunch of shit you're getting kicked out Especially somebody that comes in and tries to bust my chops about stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't know you and (laughs) bye-bye. So anyway, but yeah, it's cool. You know, we got a good bunch of people in there and there's some good discussions that go on in there. So the Loud Minority Facebook group, it's there's like five questions you answer, rock and roll questions, just to make sure you're not trying to sell me something. And uh, that's it. Other than that, you can really help out the podcast by leaving us a five-star review at either Podchaser or Apple Podcast. I put the links in the show notes, so if you're on your phone listening to the podcast, you can just scroll down and hit the link and go there and leave us a five-star review. It helps out the podcast because the more five-star reviews we get, the further up in the ranks we go and gets on people's radars a lot quicker. So that's how we get uh, noticed. You can always share the podcast. That helps us out as well. So if you got a friend that listens to rock and roll and you think they'll dig our podcast, by all means, share us up. That always helps as well. That's it. That's my public service announcement for this episode. Now back to the main topic. So I want to share my five. So my number five, believe it or not, was Striper. I would say the last 10 years or so, the studio recordings are have been closer to what reality is live. But that first 15 or 20 years, you know, the studio recording had big backing vocals. The band photos probably turned some folks off, right? They got the Christian Flair thing going on. So you don't know if you're going to get like God shoved in you when you get there. And then, you know, like In God We Trust was super slick and polished. I've always liked it, but the casual listener probably wouldn't equate Striper to hard rock and wouldn't even assume that they would have a rocking show. But I would tell you to the contrary, Striper is amazing live. The guitar skills for Oz and for Michael just don't pop off record like they do live. 
And when you see what the four guys are doing, and this includes Robert on drums, you really get a feel for the talent. And all of a sudden you forget that it's like a faith-based show. So the last few albums have been a lot more hard rock. So it's closer to what you get live. But I think some people just sign off stripers. Ah, they're Christian rock. I don't want to go see that. I'm telling you, you are missing out if you haven't seen them live. You get what I'm saying there? Yeah, 100%. I mean, they absolutely destroyed the Monsters of Rock Cruise a few years back. They killed that place. And I'm telling you what, they're fantastic live. I think they're putting out the best material of their careers, personally. And uh, getting Perry Richardson in the band has just enhanced that band live, as far as I'm concerned. And they've got a new album coming out, which I'm excited to hear. Striper's awesome right now. My number four is the Butcher Babies, so uh, you'll get to see why here in a second. But, you know, you listen to the music first, and if you have no visual, you get a, you know, you get the feel of this female-fronted hard rock, part cookie monster with some good music. And most likely just kind of move on because there's a lot of other bands that sound like that, and maybe you don't like cookie monster vocals that much. For me, I heard a few songs. I was like, meh, you know, I really, I'd seen a ton of pictures of videos before I saw them live, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, two beautiful women, whatever, but I don't have a reason to go see them. So the only reason I even went to go see them live was because they opened for BLS. So the band starts up, right? The band's on stage first. They start going. I'm like, all right, the music's there. The two beautiful women come on stage with microphones. I'm like, okay. One's redhead at the time. I say at the time because Heidi keeps changing her hair color. And one brunette, okay? Not going to lie, sexy as hell. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. How you doing? Right? So I'm interested to at least watch now. But knowing me, I got my arms folded and I'm thinking, okay, they're hot, but can they actually sing and keep me interested? Holy shit, dude, they blew me away. They got the chops. They got the looks. They come off tough and sexy instead of like slithery sexy. I went home, bought every CD they had available. You know, Heidi and Carla being ex-Playboy TV personality doesn't hurt them. Oh, yeah. But they are the real deal. If you've not seen Butcher Babies live, dude, they'll blow you away. Have you ever seen them? I have never seen them live, so I can't comment on that. However, I will tell you that Frontiers Records is banking on Sonny Pooney being the first to line up and purchase the new Venus 5 record and the new... Uh, the Big Deal. Big Deal yeah. record. <laughs> because Sonny, although he says he likes the music, some of these bands are a little bit questionable, and the Butcher Baby's music is not good, dude. I can't get into <laughs> that music at all. So, yes, they're fun to look at, but so is the Playboy channel without the annoying music. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah, they had blown me away. You know, teach their own. Teach their own.
I mean, I'll see it live if it presents itself, because I think it's probably a spectacle live. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't love their music. My number three, John Clark and Eric Alberti both agreed with me. And John even said, I heard people talk him up, even Sonny Pooney. I thought it was a saw them on Monsters of Rock Cruise was blown away. Got home, played their music again. (laughs) And (laughs) And he's talking about Bisto Blanco. So the running joke, because I know, boo-boo, you're listening. We are Bisto Bisto Blanco. Blanco. (laughs) We are Bisto Bisto Blanco. Blanco. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The first song I'd heard before ever seeing them was Death Rattle. And I saw the video. Nothing super special, but I was kind of interested, you know. And Bisto Blanco initially was a band for me that is like, hey, if they end up on Monsters of Rock Cruise, I'm going to go check them out. If they end up on a bill... I'll go check them out, whatever, but I'm not going to go out of my way to go see something like that. Lucky for me, they were added to 2018's Indie Kiss Expo. So I'm there, so I might as well go check them out. I'm looking at the stage, and I'm like, eh, you know, kind of looks like Alice Cooper a little bit, but whatever. The band starts, they're good, okay. Then here comes this zombie-type female, and all she's doing is kind of like slithering, walking around, got this kind of like bitch confidence going on, and... I watch for a couple of songs and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like interested in the music too. Right. And I guess Paul Stanley's right. You do sometimes listen with your eyes. I'm sucked in Calico. Who's the person we're talking about about two thirds into the set leaves the stage. And all of a sudden the band's just black again. She comes back and I'm interested again. So I get it. I like women. I get it. She's sexy. Okay. I get all that, but it's more than that though. I, I don't think you can just put any no talent playboy bunny hack up there. And they're going to get you interested in Bisto Blanco. She's helping present the music and they have talent. Calico's not the best singer on the planet, but she knows how to entertain and it makes for a good musical experience. And John and Eric both saw it live after saying their music's in. And still to this day, do I listen to Bisto Blanco every day? No. But if they were to play live, I'd go see him. How about you? <laughs> well, yeah, 100%. So on record, they're hit or miss for me. I really do like the song Grind both on record and live, but Sonny's right. There's just something about her that presents the music. She's hard to not watch. And to be honest, I don't, I'm not even sure for me, like she's not my type attracted wise. Uh, It's not that she's not attractive. She's just not my type. It's something about her expressions, her body movements that sell the music for me. And she's hard to not watch. So that's what it is for me. I really, really like her a lot uh, in the presentation of their music. And 100%, she leaves the stage and all of a sudden they become, I won't say just not good. It's, they're still good. It's rocking, but it's not the same without her. My number two, Black Label Society, right? If you just listen to the songs, you know, you get some great guitar playing. Come on, it's Zach Wild. So he knows how to make his guitar playing pop off a record. 
his vocals take a bit getting used to. So I kind of initially overlooked it because I already knew who Zach was. Later albums, songwriting gets a little bit better. The melodies start hitting me a little more consistently. But normally I would have just given up if it wasn't for Zach, right? So I wanted to see BLS at least once. They happen to be coming around with Judas Priest. So me, Tony, Mark, his brother, all go to the Concord Pavilion to go see him. BLS is opening. The curtain is up. I'm looking forward to seeing Bearded Zach, right? With a bullseye guitar, rock the crowd. And then I kind of start noticing it's kind of biker heavy. Lots of leather. Manly men. Some manly women surrounding us everywhere. <laughs> Most have a beer in hand, right? <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's going to be interesting. Curtain drops. Zach's on a pedestal. He's got this Indian headdress on. Makes him look like he's like eight feet tall. And oh my God, every song absolutely killed. The energy at that show, I couldn't even explain it. It was cult-like. And Zach had this, what, seven, 8,000 people in the palm of his hand. And Judas Priest came on, and I'm like, fuck, Black Label blew them away. Like, Judas Priest, they shouldn't even been on the same stage. I know you've seen BLS live. Did you get the same feeling? Yeah, they're really good live. Not to mention, at your show, did they uh, They always played the air raid sirens at the beginning? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> that builds the tension with the air raid sirens and the and the lights and everything. And then that just that heavy-ass sound. Uh, and Zach and all his uh, bearded glory up there on his little pedestal because Zach, Zach's not that tall. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And my number one. Probably is not going to surprise a bunch of people, but it's Alice Cooper. And really, let's face it, I think we both agree, you know, some Alice Cooper music is pretty good for for the most part, at least for me anyway. I don't really understand Alice, so I have a tough time connecting with the music. You know, there's a few 70s songs I like. 80s is probably the most tolerable. Trash album is my bang zone. All that being said, do I listen to Alice Cooper every week? That's a big fat no, I don't. I've seen Alice Cooper live six or seven times now. My first time was the Trash Tour. Alice is simply just wow. It's shock rock. There's a whole storyline. There's all kinds of props, effects. It's like watching a live action movie. And Alice is probably the only act that I've ever seen that doesn't talk to the audience, basically. He's basically in character. He might say hello. He says drive home safe. And that's how good he is live. And I will tell you, Alice is a perfect example of I need never to hear another Alice Cooper song on tape. And I would still go see Alice Cooper live every single time, even on Monsters of Rock. He absolutely killed. And he's in his mid-70s. Can't get enough of the guy. And I don't even really like his music. How about you? I would say ditto to everything you just said. And I think part of the reason for that is that every damn time, no matter who's in his band, they're just freaking aces. They are so good, his entire band. And that's not just this current lineup. That's going back to his earlier bands. There's somebody good in that band all the time.
Okay, so I want to get to the last of uh, the listeners. <laughs> There's some interesting ones on here. Huddy and Stephen Wood both said the Ramones. I've never seen them, and I don't really enjoy a ton of their music, so I'm not sure I would have ever been interested. How about you? I like a lot of the Ramones music, but I've never seen them live. I mean, they were sort of, yeah, I never even had that opportunity. Joe Crosby shared Ario Speedwagon and said, I thought they were lightweight radio rock and would be dull. Boyfriend at the time in 1985 got me a ticket, saw him in Hammersmith, and of the 40 years of gigs and thousands of bands I've seen, that night was one of the best. Okay, first of all, Joe, love you. Hard to believe because I'm not a huge Ario fan, but I'm assuming you've seen them and you agree? I've seen Ario a million times. Uh, I mean, they're good. I don't necessarily feel like that, but but they're a good live band. I mean, yeah, they're good. Huddy shared one that could have made my top five, Rival Sons. Totally agree, Huddy. There's a presentation with the craziness of the singer that it just it's hard to explain, and it does not pop off of CD like it does live. And I know you've seen the Rival Sons uh, lately, actually, right? Recently. No, I've not seen the Rival Sons. Oh, I thought you were saw them. No, I missed them. Uh, I had the opportunity a couple different times here in Atlanta, and for whatever reason, I missed them. One of the times it was clashing with something else, and they've just they've eluded me, but they're fairly young in their career, so I have no doubt that I'll see them at some point. Dean Gavney and Huddy both shared Robert Randolph Band. Huddy? Who? I don't even know who that is. I do. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Who are they? <laughs> I've seen blues, Rob- maybe. Uh, yeah, very, very blues. The guy, the guy is a. Um, he sits down and plays uh, the pedal steel guitar. Yeah, the band is amazing live. I've seen them a couple times now. They're just a, a blues based, almost gospel. There's a lot of gospel in their music as well, but they're freaking crazy talented. Yeah, they're really, really good.
Brian Thomas shared Rod Stewart. And I will tell you, I saw him in the 90s a couple of times. I loved it. Shit, he was almost in his 50s by that time. And he's kicking soccer balls into the crowd. And it was a pretty rocking show. I'm not sure I would enjoy Rod like in Vegas right now. It's probably a little too Tom Jones for me. But have you ever seen Rod Stewart live? I have seen Rod Stewart live. And uh, everything you described about the soccer balls and everything, he's very good. He had a great band. And he's on tour this year. And he's due to play one of my venues this summer. So I think that I'll be seeing him this summer. And I believe that he is doing a full-on rock show and not uh, one of this, uh, you know, not one of these easy listening things or whatever he's done the last several years. BC from Potter Than Hell chimes in with Rush. So <sighs> this is one of those bands that I'm like, the only reason I would have saw them is if they had somebody open for them that I wanted to see. So I did end up seeing them twice. Because Mr. Big opened for him. Mm -hmm. Left after the first song both times. Zero interest. Dude, Rush, I got zero interest. Less than zero. Is a negative interest. I have negative interest. Sonny, on this cruise to the edge, that kind of stuff would have gotten you beaten and shanked in the, in the corridors. <laughs> I'm just letting you know <laughs> that if you got on that boat and made those comments, I would have found a bloody Sonny Pooney body in one of the corridors. <laughs> <laughs> Sonny, what happened? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I said I hated Rush, and this lady pulled out a, a, a shank and stabbed me. <laughs> God damn. Oh, my God. Have you seen Rush live? You enjoyed it? Yes, of course I've seen Rush oh. live many times. Yes, I enjoy it. Yes, they're amazing. Yes, they're just, they're not only a band with a great sense of humor, they're amazing players, and I like their music. So, yes, I enjoy it. So, Derek Novak chimed in with Slaughter, and this was the first one where I feel the exact opposite. So, I would much rather hear Slaughter on tape. The live experience, I, I, they've never blown me away, and it's just too loud nowadays. In the early days on the first album, they were really good. Nowadays, uh, you couldn't pay me. I, I'm sorry, but I've, I've seen them twice in the last few years, and it's just not good. It's rough for me, and I just it's a hard pass. I would much rather hear that band on CD than go see them live these days. So in the spirit of you couldn't pay me, Scott Gull shared Slayer and Suicidal Tendencies, and then Frank Vigilotti shared Soulfly. I have not seen any of those three bands. I've never wanted to see any of those three bands. Have you seen these three? I have seen none of those bands. I think Suicidal Tendencies is probably pretty good live, but they're not necessarily my bag musically. And then the other two, Soulfly and Slayer, got little to zero chance of me ever listening to their records or seeing them live. Christopher Powell shared Steve Miller Band. Now, I've never seen the Steve Miller Band, but I could imagine that if it's not that jam bandy, that they're pretty good live. I saw Steve Miller recently and hated it. And it was the first <laughs> it was the first time that I saw him live, to be honest. And I had heard uh, rumors that uh, nowadays he wasn't that great because it, it's sort of he jams a lot of blues and stuff like that. And I'm more of a Steve Miller hits kind of guy. 
So, you know, when you play the Joker or you play uh, Abracadabra or stuff like that, I'm all in. But this long jam bandy bluesy shit, I, I don't need it. So when he played the hits, I was good, but he played a lot of jam bandy blues stuff. And uh, I, I wasn't familiar with it. And I just didn't. I was very meh. So you shared earlier that you've never seen Metallica and they've somehow eluded you. Yep. David Drew shared sticks and sticks has eluded me. I've never seen sticks. I would have went in the 80s or 90s and now I have no interest. Holy shit. I don't think I I knew that. You never seen him. Wow, really? Holy cow, dude. How did you not see sticks uh like in the last 5 years when they've been through every city with usually pretty good bills? Yeah, cuz sometimes I think they had a Journey bill, they had a REO bill. They've been with bands that I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't need to see those." They always play casinos and they usually it's fairly cheap ticket. The difference there is when they're in the Midwest and on the extreme Northeast, they're playing casinos. By the time they get to West Coast, they're in some of the theaters. They're not in casinos anymore. Yeah, but you live in the Midwest now. so Yeah, yeah. So, But I don't have interest in sticks anymore. I kind of lost the feel for it. Dude, I'm telling you, you got to go see them at least once. They're well worth. They're one of the older bands that today is still awesome. Like, they sound so freaking good live. I mean, Tommy still sings the, um, what's his name that JY, uh, no, 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 not JY, but the guy that took over for Dennis DeYoung, I can't think of his name. He's been in the band forever now, but yeah, uh, he sounds great. You know, killer band, freaking Todd Schumann on drums. They're just so good live. I mean, they're like, they're almost like foreigner in the fact that they deliver killer music with just clarity and just precise. Oh, man, I would absolutely recommend you going and at least checking out their show because they are still really, really good live. Probably, I don't know, man, they may be better live now than they were back in the freaking late 80s when I saw them, the mid-80s when I saw them. They're really good. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll check that out. Yeah. Scott Middleton and Brian Thomas shared Ted Nugent, and I've seen Ted Nugent several times, and I would agree with this. Ted is a showman. The music is 50-50 to me. Is he going to shut up when I get there? Like, I don't want to hear the political BS. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a long time, so I don't know if he's doing that shit live or not. But when I saw him last, I think the last time I saw him, it was opening for uh, Kiss on the reunion thing. And like, Oh, my God. That was forever ago. Yeah, it was like it was Skid Row and Ted Nugent and Kiss. And that's the last yeah. time I saw Ted Nugent. And he was that good. was a good show. Yeah, he was good. Greg Mangus shared the dictators and the faces, and he was too young to see the faces, but he had heard. I don't know who the dictators are. I obviously know who the faces are, but Greg was really getting off on this topic for sure. Yeah, so Greg, I think, spent some time in New York, so he knows a lot of those those people. The dictators were a huge New York band, kind of like... They were very influential, a lot like the New York Dolls were influential and a lot like Twisted Sister was influential back in New York where they never really broke huge, but like they were as big as any national act in New York. And there were some famous people in the Dictators. I can't remember who, but I'm almost positive that one of the guys that was in the Dictators was Ross the Boss from uh, Manowar. I I could be wrong about that. I don't know. It would take a New York uh, music scene expert to correct me. But 
that's what I recall about the dictators and the faces of the faces. I mean, you know who they are. Yeah. Paul LaPlaca also shared the Grateful Dead. I just got no interest in the jam bands. Zero. Have you seen the dead? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Total opposite type of band. Brian Davis shared the Melvins. I've not heard one Melvin song I liked, so I don't know if I would go see them. Uh, not for me either. Yeah. Jim Polkowski shared the picture books. I don't even know who that is. Never heard of them. <laughs> okay. Let's get to a band we all know. Chris Fretwell, Ray Farrow, and Brian Thomas all shared Toto. And you know what? I would go see Toto live if they were around. I just, I've never got a chance. I wish very much that I could have seen Toto and Journey. They just came through town uh, really last week, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe at the most. But I haven't been available at the time, and I, that would have been the first time I got to see Toto. Yeah. Pete Madison shared Vicious Circle. I've never had a chance to see Vicious Circle. Uh, no, I was thinking of Vicious Rumors. Never mind. Oh, I've seen Vicious Rumors several times. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know who Vicious Circles is. Yeah. BJ Cramp shared Weird Al Yankovic. And you know what? I had a couple of chances to see him like at a fair near uh, my California house, but I didn't go. And uh, BJ said he's seen him six or seven times and loved every second. I could see where that would be fun. I mean, I've never personally seen it, so I don't know, but I could see where it would be fun. And Brent Walter rounds it out with Y&T. He said, it's not that I wasn't impressed by Y&T on tape. But something about hearing them live gives a song so much more energy and a better feel. Their live album recordings blow away their studio stuff. I'm not sure I agree with all that part, but I can understand that people would not give Y&T probably a chance live. But until you see Manichetti do his thing, you just can't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I've seen them, I've seen them live more recently than in the early days, so. I never got to see the original band. Uh, I've only seen the more recent version of the band, but they were very good. Manichetti is awesome. All right. So that was the listener stuff. So let's connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So Paul LaPlaca, Mike Brewer, Rick Holgan also shared that Kiss was their band, that they liked better live than on CD. For the historic moment, most Kiss fans know that the band was almost left for dead after the first three albums in Selwell. It was Kiss Alive that ended up putting them on the map and started all the craziness in 75. Most KISS fans also know those live albums aren't as live as we once thought they were. <laughs> but KISS is all about listening to the music with your eyes. And live, the classic songs are usually a bit faster, which give them a little better groove in my opinion. Now, KISS has a ton of live albums. I could have picked a bunch of stuff. They got classic ones, obviously, like Alive and Alive 2. But my favorite KISS live album is actually Unplugged. So here is Paul, Gene, Bruce, and Eric Singer at KISS Unplugged with Domino. Enjoy. Let me tell you my story. I've got a band size predicament. And it's a big one. Goes like this. Yeah. My 
Love it. Love Domino. <laughs> it comes off good on plug. They did a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, this record, you you finally convinced me to go out this and get this record. I never I didn't own this record, but we've talked about it so many times on the podcast, and every time I hear it, I'm like, okay, I'm in. So I went and got picked up a copy. <laughs> well, you'll see it live. It's Creatures Fest. You'll be having a good t- good old time. I know, right? At noon, so early on a Friday. They had to do something. The The nights are so packed. You couldn't do it any other time. God, man, I, I, I fear for uh, what that place is going to look like at noon on Friday. I, <laughs> I hope that we can get within an earshot of the pool because <laughs> I don't know what that's going to be like. But So I'll tell you, there is, you know, to close out this topic, there are bands that I will listen to on tape and never see live again. There are bands that because of what they presented live, I went and bought their music and there are bands that like a steel heart where I saw it live for five minutes. And I'm like, that's my favorite singer ever. Like they, they took what I already loved on tape and took it to the next level. For me, the live aspect is important. And there's a bands I've seen live where I wasn't totally into their music and I'll never listen to King's X again. Cause I have no reason to see them live. I got no reason to listen to the music. So the live aspect is important for me. And I know it's important for you too, right? It is. And I think without going on too much of a rant, I think that's part of what uh, lacks in music today. You have all these projects, quote unquote projects or thrown together bands where they put out one, maybe two albums and the albums are great. 
but we got no shot at ever seeing it live. A perfect example of that is Revolution Saints. I mean, those are great records, but they're never going to tour. So it's stuff like that that just it, it disappoints me because I very much feel like music needs to be the full package. The albums need the live performance and the live performance needs the albums. Yeah. And for me, it's more important in rock music than anything else. I saw Boys to Men once. I don't need to see Boys to Men again, but I enjoy him on tape. Right. I saw Montel Jordan once. I enjoy him on tape. I don't need to see him live because for some reason, when it comes to hip hop or like straight up pop, I don't need to see the band live to enjoy the music. But for rock, for some reason, there's something that connects me. That's 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way about almost everything except for rock, rap, pop, but primarily like anything that where there's instruments being played. To me, there's a live aspect that needs to happen with it. So tapes and freaking DJs and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't need to see that shit live. <laughs> so I wanted to thank all of the listeners that represented well. It was a interesting topic. Got a lot of play on Facebook and Twitter. And I appreciate people taking the time to help us with the episode. Yeah, it's great feedback. Great discussion, actually, because there's a lot to think about in this and there's a lot of different ways you can approach this particular subject. And I think we came at it at different angles and uh, at different points. But I enjoy this conversation. It was good. So thanks for listening and uh, keep it coming. Thank you. Each and every one of you guys rule. We appreciate you listeners. And we will obviously talk to you next week when the theme is. Who knows? We'll find out. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.